What's up everybody, Milanist here and welcome to the Calligraphers podcast. This is a show where I talk with some of the most inspiring and influential artists in the world of calligraphy, lettering and sign painting with the goal of exploring their mindset and understand how they became successful. In today's episode, I have a very special guest, which was a great honor to speak with. Jake Wedman is the youngest member of I Am Pet, a great penman and he does a variety of different things in the world of calligraphy and art. We spoke about his journey, the people who taught and inspired him, what he thinks about what's happening with calligraphy in our days, about the renaissance of calligraphy and many, many other interesting things from his life. So without further ado, let's jump into it. First, it's, it's really nice to meet you. I'm like, even earlier I was telling my girlfriend, usually for the podcast, I'm super cool and chill, but for you, I'm like a bit nervous and it's like... <laughs> it's... Oh, dude. Uh, well, I've got, I've got nerves as well. You're, you're a legend and what you're doing with uh, the calligraphy community is just so awesome, man. So I can't thank you enough. And uh, I, it's, uh, thanks for putting up one of my pieces behind you there on the wall. That's really cool. That's I, <laughs> nice I actually did it on purpose for this episode because <laughs> usually... Oh, good. Usually I keep it safe because I had a frame for it, but it it broke, and then it, oh no. it got some uh, dirty stuff on the end, and I'm keeping it to make another frame because in the frame oh, you, you gotcha. don't see this. this this like some stuff from the last frame I don't know. Okay. But yeah, gotcha. I, I thought it would be a good idea to to yeah. be behind me on the episode with you. Oh, that's great, man! Thanks for the thanks for the plug there. That looks great. There, no, so. thanks to you for it. I, I I even had in mind to speak later about it, but yeah, I guess you noticed it uh, too early. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty familiar with that piece. Uh, yeah. Well, um, so. I, I I was like, first of all, I'm super grateful for you that you sent me this piece. When I like, I was so hyped, and when I received it, I remember it was like, I don't know, I was speechless. Like it's such detail and beauty. And the letter and the certificate, everything, I was so amazed oh, and like, wow. it's, well, it's, it's a great piece. And, uh, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you have this, those two for sale or? Uh, you know, we sold out of the limited edition size, which is what you have, but yeah. uh, um, we sell like the slightly smaller size uh, ones. We still have those at a they're at a lower price point and so it makes it a little bit more affordable because that's where it's exactly where I imagined they would go you know in in uh, calligraphers and penman studios to kind of bring them inspiration so, yeah, it's, yeah it's amazing I really want to put it into frame and I have some few other which I have like from different artists and I want to put everything around me but it has to be in frames <laughs> and I know. And framing is expensive. I mean, it is just, uh, it's crazy. So I'm still trying to figure out a, a less expensive way. But uh, unfortunately, I have really, really good taste when it comes to frames. So I, I usually put them in like the nicest frame and museum glass. And uh, so wow. all of that adds up really quick. So, uh, but yeah, I know I've got several pieces from other artists and calligraphers that I, I still have yet to frame. So it'll happen. Yeah, awesome. Well, First of all, Jake, it's like it's it's super cool to have you as a guest. Uh, thanks for being guest in the Calligraphers podcast. Absolutely, I'm honored honored to be on here. Can we start? Like, uh, I know I'm sure many people know about your background and stuff and past, but uh, I guess many who are listening don't know so much about it. And 
me including i don't know so much about your background can you tell me like where are you from how old are you what was your childhood like growing up and at what point did you meet with calligraphy and how did it happen okay uh yeah that's uh it's a lot of questions all at once yeah if, um, if, if, <laughs> if you forget something out like uh, our mind but this is just like a step up into into your story and who you are and okay all. okay uh um well i i've grown up in uh in colorado uh just south of like denver which is uh the capital of Colorado, if um, for those of you who are not familiar with it, and um, so it's a it's a beautiful state. It's got um, you know the gorgeous home to the gorgeous Rocky Mountains. So it's just a really beautiful uh, place to live and to grow. And um, you know, I I grew up loving art and doing art. My parents said uh, even since I was like three years old, uh, they knew that they could find me if they, if they ever lost me. I would probably in my bedroom, coloring in a coloring book or drawing something. So, uh, so it's that love for art started very, very early. And, uh, and then as I grew up and I, I learned how to write, you know, handwriting was something that I, I absolutely loved. And I remember in the first grade, you know, I, I would take the longest time. We had like a writing assignment that the, the teacher would put up on the board And, um, and I would always be the last one to finish just because I loved making the letters and I wanted to make them just perfect. And so every other kid, you know, it was right before recess and, you know, every kid is like rushing through it, trying to get done so they can go to recess. And I was always the last kid sitting there, you know, working on my handwriting. And, uh, and then when I found cursive, cursive, like for me, just, you know, blew up my world. I, I wanted to learn cursive so bad and I loved the way that the letters linked together and it had this beautiful flow across the page. And, you know, it looked like that, the way that all the letters leaned together, you know, it just, uh, it was so romantic to me. It was like, you know, rain falling across the page. And, uh, and so I wanted, I wanted to like, just do my very best at, uh, at learning cursive handwriting. And that, that followed me along, you know, all the way uh, up until college. And so, and, and I had, I had known about calligraphy. My mom, do, do you, done... sorry, sorry, I stop you, but do you remember no at, 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 at what, what, what age were you when you start like uh, focusing on your handwriting and when you discovered cursive? Uh, that would have been about, uh, traditionally here in the States, it usually starts about like third grade. Um, and so, so you're, um, gosh, you're about like nine years old at that point, eight or nine years old typically. And, uh, and so that was like, you know, I was, I was really excited. And I, you know, when I first learned it, I didn't, um, I didn't get the concept that you actually break up the words. So I thought everything was linked. And then just in between the words, it was a longer linkage, like a longer ligature. So, um, I remember that was my first curse of handwriting. And I was like, I, I wanted everything to go together. I wanted everything to flow and be connected. And, uh, so I was kind of, That was kind of fun, but uh, so yeah, it, it just kept growing. And my mom had like really beautiful handwriting, and and I wanted to mimic that. Her cursive was just even to this day, it's like really you know spot on. And even my grandmother before her, she had beautiful handwriting. So I'd get these like birthday cards and things, and like you know, it's it's not every boy's dream. Like I want to write like my grandma, but you know, for me it was. I just thought she was. Uh, she had such beautiful writing. And so I just, I fell in love with it. 
from that point and uh, just kept growing alongside, you know, the rest of my art skill because I was also, you know, I, I was really getting into realism and trying to make people and animals look as real as possible. And so, you know, I think that the fact that I was like, I was teaching my my eye or teaching my hand to recreate what my eye saw, you know, that really helped in my um in my calligraphy and in my handwriting because I was like I want I want my letters to look like that. And so I know that this loop has to be a little bit taller or, you know, this this curve has to be a little bit more shallow and so it was uh so those two things like paired together um that was really sort of my like early training um, where where I was developing the muscle memory that I would ultimately use for calligraphy but hadn't really been introduced to calligraphy yet and uh, and so it, and you know it wasn't until college you know that I would, I was still working obsessively on my handwriting and and I actually I got my degree in psychology and oh. you'd have to take take these really long essay tests in uh, blue books and uh, is what they were called. They were just, you know, sheets of paper stapled together with a blue cover. And, uh, and so I was, I was writing them and, uh, and I was, it was, again, it was like, I was back to first grade. I was always the last one to finish my test because I was still working on my handwriting. And uh, my, you know, a good friend of mine at the time, she, uh, she goes, I thought you were just a big dumb jock and you didn't know, you, you know, like you didn't know your handwriting because I was doing bodybuilding at the time. So, uh, but no, I was like, it was actually working on my handwriting and uh, even in the blue book tests. And so that the, my professors, you know, they'd call me in to, to talk to me about it and they'd say, uh, they said, Jake, you know, love what you wrote in your essay, but even more than that, your handwriting is out of this world. Do you mind if I keep your book? And, uh, what? and so, yeah, it was really cool. And even years later, I went back to visit one of my professors and he pulled it out of his file and said, look, I still have your book. He says, I think I need to get it framed, but I'm not sure how to frame a book. So, <laughs> um, so that, that was like, it was in college that I was like, I, okay, I need to, I need to actually get into calligraphy. I'm just using ballpoint pens and making my handwriting look prettier and prettier, but I really want to know script. And, uh, and I could never figure out, you know, how, like, I didn't, I didn't even know what copper plate was at the time. I was, I was about 21, 22. I'd never heard of the term copper plate. I had never seen a flexible pen nib, and uh, but I knew that's how I wanted to write. I, you know, I loved all of the other, the broad edge forms. You know, black letter, um, gothic, italic, and you know that was all really beautiful. But I wanted, I wanted the flow. I wanted the connectivity of the letters, and uh, still wanted to keep that lean, but have that you know really beautiful line variation as well. And uh, and so it was, uh, it was in college that I. I discovered a video of uh, one of the other master penmen who's now, a, he's a dear, dear friend. His name is John DeColibus. Um, and he's, uh, I, I still regard him as the greatest ornamental penman alive. Um, and he's just phenomenal. I saw, you know, this really grainy video on YouTube, but the way that his pen was moving in these, you know, these super fine hairlines with these big dramatic shades that he was getting with the pen, I was like, what is he doing and how can I, how can I learn that myself? And, uh, 
so I, uh, that like launched me in and I, I finally had my first term of, you know, I think there was copper plate was one of the hashtags on his videos. And so I dove in, did the research, found the pen and, uh, and so that, that was, that was the start to, you know, the next chapter, but I, I plunged in headlong, you know, even though I was studying psychology, um, you know, it was, uh, it was something that I was doing in every waking moment I had was, uh, was just learning calligraphy and trying to, uh, use it any other time. I was even doing, I even took, did one of my assignments entirely in Spencerian script with a dip pen Whoa. just to have the excuse that if I was going to sit down and take the time to write, then I was going to turn it into my calligraphy practice as well. So, uh, which my teacher was, he was pretty impressed with that. I don't think he gave me a really great grade, but <laughs> <laughs> he at least liked the handwriting. But, uh, but yeah, so that was, um, gosh, it's been, it's been more than a decade now. Cause to answer your other question, I'm, I'm 34 and uh, so I've been doing this uh, for, I've been doing calligraphy for just over 12 years now. So uh, it's been, it's been quite the journey. That's awesome, dude. Like, do you, okay, you mentioned this video, but uh, do you remember some of the sources you were using in the beginning of your calligraphy journey? Some of the sources or the people that uh, helped you go uh, uh, more deeper into it and study the basics, stuff like this? Uh, yeah, you know... At the time, you know, calligraphy was still uh, calligraphy was still considered a, a dead art form, and so um, so I discovered the uh, I'm trying to remember as I first went down the the rabbit hole of calligraphy. Um, I think I I very quickly discovered uh, the International Association of Master Penmen and Grocers and Teachers of Handwriting. That very long title that we know all know as IAMPETH. And so iampeth.com, you know, I, it was this sort of janky website at the time. You know, they had just gotten it up and there were some contacts there. And I reached out to the first person I could, um, who was Kathy Saunders. I believe she was the president at the time. And she, I told her, I was like, I really want to learn, you know, calligraphy. I, I really love what you guys are all about. How can I learn? And she connected me to Michael Saul. And so, uh... So Michael Saul, who's, uh, if you don't know his work, he's one of the other master penmen, you know, just a, a giant in the world of calligraphy. And um, he wrote me my first letter. And uh, he said, um, he said, you know, Jake, I love your passion for, uh, for handwriting. And he said, I, I'm excited that you want to learn, you know, these, these early forms of calligraphy. Uh, but what I you know, I want you to know the history before you start into this. And so he sent me like, it was all photocopies of his volume one book, which talks about the history of American heritage handwriting. And, uh, and so it was, I mean, honestly, I loved it. And the whole package, I mean, I'm, I'm standing at my college, you know, mailbox and, you know, this package comes out that it looks like it's from, you know, 1860 with these this beautiful Spencerian script on the on the front and I'm like <gasps> freaking out and uh and so uh but it was like it was such a cool journey for me and then you know in that book I got to learn I learned all about these incredible men and women that came before me in American heritage handwriting you know people like 
F.B. Courtney, who was known as like the pen wizard because he was ambidextrous and he did unbelievable things with the pen. He came up with uh, over 200 different novelty scripts. Um, he was just unbelievable. He had one form of script. It was called his backslant script. And it looked like a it looked like a reading off of like a seismograph chart. Okay. It just looked like a bunch of squiggles. But if you turn the paper and look down at the angle of the writing, it would all come into proportion and you could read it. What? So it was almost it was almost like having a code right in front of your eyes. You just had to turn the paper and bring it into perspective. And uh, it was it was amazing. He also had a he had a version of like regular handwriting it looked like chinese characters but it actually read as english and so um so he was amazing uh, of course there's are those know, stuff to be found in any book anywhere or uh yeah you know michael saul's uh volume one book uh he he has examples of that and and talks about that's i mean i that information is still in there from the first time i read it because it just it was amazing to me but uh um, so yeah, if you look up his book and I'm, I hope it's still in print, I don't know if he brought it back in print, but there's probably copies, uh, floating out there on the internet. But, uh, um, so, it, you know, is reading about, you know, these people or, or father Spencer, who we regard as like, you know, he was the father of American heritage handwriting and, uh, and all about his legacy and how he brought it forward. So that really, for me, it, made the whole experience all the more rich, all the more inviting, because it's like I knew the history, and I knew all the men that came before me, and uh, men and women, because, uh, you know, Platt's, Platt Roger Spencer's daughter was a phenomenally accomplished penman, and uh, and several of the master penmen now are are women, so there's there's men and women leading this charge, and uh, and it's it's been it's been a really great thing. So that that really helped me. And then from then it was like I actually started learning the solid forms and trying to mimic some of these old masters. And they were my guiding light. So can can you tell me like uh, you're one of the twelve IMPET members, if that's correct? If if it's still like this, I know you're like uh, the youngest one. Uh, yes, I, and, uh, can you just, sadly, sorry, yeah, that, sa can you just speak a little bit, a little bit about how, how did it happen that you became one of them and, uh, how this happened and why is this something that it's not done anymore? Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to do it. I think the, uh, um, it's, it's being, the, the whole program is being overworked like when I first showed up in the calligraphy scene, you know, it was just the tradition of what a master penman was, was, uh, you know, it was just, it was somebody who'd re reached that upper echelon of proficiency in the art form. And so, you know, the ones who had gone to, gone to school and, and gone through all these certification processes and became a master penman, you know, they were regarded as masters uh, or they were, they got their certificate as penman, but the ones who really were above and beyond, um, they were regarded as by their peers as master penmen. So it was, it was a, uh, first it was like, it started off as more of as an unofficial title, uh, but it was given, it was always given, you know, by your peers. And, uh, and so uh, I am Peth, you know, it was formed there, well, it was almost exactly 70 years ago 
Now, that was formed to really preserve the traditions and the knowledge of the Master Penman. At the time, it was just a small group of people that would come together and share their techniques because they noticed a major decline to the art form um, uh, because of, uh, they noticed a major decline to the art form be when the typewriter came along. And so that, that was a major, like, hit and so they tried their best to preserve it and keep the tradition alive and so that's that's what they were still aiming to do to this day um when i started so when i was there you know it was like i showed up at my first conference and it was like you know it was 80 old people and i wandered in and they were like uh son are you lost because uh, they they were like why is this young person coming here to learn uh calligraphy and um so at that time, it was still very simple, and I think right now what they're trying to do is there's a huge uh, insurgence of calligraphers from around the world. I mean, I think we're seeing uh, one of the greatest renaissance of this art form, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And I think it's, it's you know, I think you're a big part of that too, as, as raising up who are these other calligraphy masters and and. and you know, it's it's inspiring to see one how one artist continually pushes the envelope and encourages the next, and so uh, so I think that that what you're doing is a really powerful thing, and that's all part of this huge wave that we're all on. It's fantastic, um, and so at the at the time, you know, when I showed up, it was it was nothing, and people were like, calligraphy? What you're doing calligraphy? What is wrong with you? You spend your summers going to a calligraphy conference? And uh, <clears throat> so at that time, it was, you know, it was simple. And I was brought along and raised up underneath the wing more directly under the existing masters and, uh, and got my certificate that way. Um, right now, they're rewriting the program so that it's more incremental. And you can, you can master one, uh, one hand at a time, which is really, it's a better way of doing it because all of the old masters suggested that. They said, focus on one handwriting form at a time, master it before you move on to the next. Because it's very easy to mix up nuances between say like black letter and italic or Spencerian and engrosser script. And so it's like if you're, you, if you're learning two things at the, at the same time, you're, you're gonna sort of convolute the two and, and it's gonna be hard to lock in to a solid form. So, um, so what they're doing, they're in the process of, of rewriting that, and, and I hope that that tradition, we can keep that tradition alive, but the, the organization is, uh, by and large, volunteer-based, and so, uh, so it's just hard. It's hard to handle all of that interest, all of the people who, uh, who want to learn um, how to become a master and learn all of the, the incremental pieces in between. So I see. I'll, I'll come back in a second about, uh, to, to ask something. I'm just, I just wanted to say that when you, when you said the renaissance <coughs> of calligraphy, dude, you just, seriously, I don't know, I, I got goosebumps. Like, this is, like, <laughs> I, I never thought about it this way because I've tried to, like, somehow to give some words for my head to, like, what's happening because I see, like, uh, the interest is growing and so many people <coughs> are interested. But now when you say that, like, something clicked and I, dude, I got the goosebumps and just <laughs> just at this moment I got already a few ideas with this name the renaissance of calligraphy this is oh great this awesome. is amazing like yeah awesome. really thanks for it and 
Yeah. 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 So, and I, I do think that's what it is. It is a rebirth. And, uh, and I think it's like, it's, it's now being elevated. You know, it, it, it came out of, uh, handwriting was born as just a really functional craft. Um, but now it's, it's truly being elevated to the realm of art. And that's where I think it will always be preserved because you see what people are doing around the world and it just, it astonishes me. I feel like every day, you know, looking on Instagram or Pinterest or anywhere else, I'm like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> Who, whoever thought of doing artwork like that with calligraphy. So um, really cool. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And, like, and yeah, I'm happy that people like you because for me, you're like one of the big names, and it's it, it's cool to see that uh, you have support for other people. Because I, I I I'm not gonna mention any names, but I had not once or twice been in contact with other masters, like trying to show them what I do, like support calligraphy, and, and they're like mm. they don't want to do anything with calligraphy masters because they're because they're like oh most of those people they're bad they don't do the things, and I'm like. Okay, like, uh, but they have <laughs> yeah. the love for calligraphy, you know, they, they'll learn one day if, like, there are people like you to come there and show them support and uh, mm. what's the right way. So I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, that your vision on what's going on is this way because this is super awesome and I guess it's, it should be very inspiring for, for many people. Yeah, I mean, even though, <clears throat> and I totally... Uh, I totally know that there are there are those types of people that are saying like, well, they're not doing it the right way. They're not doing it tr the traditional way. And yes, there are there are those of us. You know, I myself am am very uh, tightly tied uh, to the to the traditional forms and how they were executed. You know, I do, I, and this is this is something that I've repeated several times. You know, I believe that you cannot honor the past by repeating it. You honor the past by giving it life and relevance in a modern age. And so for me, it's my hope that, you know, I'm, I'm able to take those early disciplines and bring them forward. Um, so for me, there will always be that, that really close tie to, to the traditional script and forms. But I think, and, you know, I, I know I'm probably stepping on toes of some of the older, like, uh, some of the older generation when I say this, but calligraphy, even in its definition is pretty broad you know it's from the greek kali meaning beautiful and graph meaning to write yeah. so beautiful writing you know it's of of any and all forms and i and i think uh you know i even think like uh you know you look at graffiti and you know what what people were doing with graffiti and how that like in the 80s that was inspired by um, you know, dancing and popping and locking and that determined all of like the sharp angles to the letters. And so it's like those forms are very, the way that they've approached them, whether they knew it at the time or not, they're following um, a very similar uh, like path that a lot of other like forms followed, that they were based off of pictures of something else, pictures from real life, you know, and that's where we get the pictiographic form of writing that gave birth to the way that we write today and so um so even that i see is like it's a form of it's a form of beautiful writing and so i think that um you know i still hope to see that the traditions are brought along with it but i love seeing you know different gestural forms and people you know writing with the craziest things like people writing with a 
you know, a mop or a push broom or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's like, who would have ever thought? And yeah, I mean, maybe the maybe Edward Johnston would be turning in his grave right now. Like, uh, but but still, it's uh, you know, it's a, a different form of expression, and it all tells this broader story of humans and their love to write. And so uh, it's really, really cool. Yeah, and then that's what I love about it because, like, I support and uh, love the work 100% of all people like you who are, like, uh, keeping the traditions, like, passing them on. But at the same time, I, I love people who do totally modern and strange, abstract stuff. It's like, I don't know, I find, find beauty in every part in, of calligraphy our days. Because yeah. we live in a super technology-based and advancing society. So right. having a fact that the world is this way and that people are still writing and writing so many ways and finding uh, mm. ways to do it for me is like super awesome, you know? Yeah, right. Well, and, you know, it's historically and that's where people are like, you know, they ask me all the time. So they're like, do you absolutely hate technology? Do you hate computers? And I'm like, absolutely not. You know, it was, you know, it was originally technology that was seen as the enemy of calligraphy because of the typewriter and it was more efficient than having somebody who was on staff to write things down you know longhand or shorthand or whatever but you know in our modern age it's like the technology has turned from being the the number one enemy of calligraphy to the number one champion of calligraphy because now it's like we are connected the whole world over i mean the fact that i'm sitting here talking to you halfway <laughs> around the world and yeah. everybody else is able to listen in to our passion to our excitement about calligraphy and uh you know to see i think that's the reason why we are seeing the renaissance of calligraphy because you know you cannot be what you cannot see and so now that we're able to see all of the things that we are able to be as calligraphers, as penmen, then it's like, you know, just it, it makes the imagination go wild. And I think we're stirring each other on. Um, and that's that's a true movement right there. I think that's a real revolution. Uh, uh, you just make me smile, like listening to it. Like, <laughs> that's so cool. And it's, it's fucking right. It's, it's, it's true. It's really uh, cool. Okay, can you speak a little bit, a, a bit about like um, being in uh, I Am Pet and like how long did you take you to finish your course or like class? I don't know, like to the moment you went to them and to the moment you got to finish your certificate, which I guess I see on... Uh, yeah, uh, you can kind of see it there in the background. Yeah. So uh, hanging up there in my studio. Um, you know, it was... Uh, for me, that from the time that I actually started, like into the program, um, to the time that I, you know, finished the the certificate. So for those for those of your listeners and viewers who don't know, um, the final test of becoming a master penman is uh, you have to execute your own certificate. So uh, nothing's free in life, kids. You know, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> you gotta make it yourself. And so, and you've got they essentially give you two chances to do that. Um, so the uh, so hopefully you don't you don't mess up. And in the in the certificate, you have to represent you know your proficiency in broad edge, your proficiency in pointed pen whether that's spinsarian or engrossers. I I wanted to do both so they're included in there. Um 
You also have to do uh, border design, and which kind of gives you an understanding of layout and how that all works, uh, and uh, flourishing. So that's also included. I also have in there, you know, hand painting, gilding, and then the part that's not required for the course, but um, but I did it was I made the pen that um, I did the certificate with, and I used that pen only on that certificate, and then just retired it thereafter. And then I also carved the the frame around it. Um, so that's not required, but I mean, being a being a wood carver and a pen maker. It's like I wanted those to be like personal testaments that, you know, this is uh, this is what I also do. And that also encompasses uh, my calligraphy. And it is, you know, at the time that I got it, I was, um, you know, I was 26. And so um, so I'd been doing it a total of like, you know, five years, which is super truncated. But that's because it was like it was all I was doing. And, you know, so much of my discipline of, of drawing and handwriting came into play and accelerated my learning curve. Um, but, you know, and, and they tell you, they're like, you know, your certificate is not, even though it's, your, it's your, the best that you can do at that point, it shouldn't be, it's not your end-all be-all. You know, it's, it's a mile marker that you have to surpass. And so even now, it's like I look at my master penman certificate. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I wish <laughs> I wish I would have done that different or I wish I would have done this different. But uh, I mean, that's that's just the part of uh, that's part of making art in the first place is you got to you, you come to grips with your own shortcomings and uh, you're always in pursuit of perfection. You'll never reach it. But, you know, it, it keeps driving you on. And so it's 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 much more about. It's much more about the journey than the arrival. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a mile marker for me. How, how long did it, did it took you to make the certificate itself? Uh, that took me about, um, gosh, with the frame included, it was about um, it was about two months. Okay. And uh, you know, I had another job at the time, so it was like it was something that I come back and and work on every evening. Um, and, uh, it's done on calfskin vellum. So, uh, so, which was a really, I wanted that to be like a, um, another, it shows another level of knowledge that you know how to work with these ancient materials. Um, you know, also like it has two different kinds of, of gold leaf. So, uh, you know, the fact that you have to, you, you have to know how to work with that, like how to work with gold size and, um, apply it to the page evenly and burnish it and all of that. So there's there's an immense amount of knowledge that goes into creating just one document, um, and uh, and that dates back. You know, all, a lot of those principles, even though it's it is a um, it's truly a like a master penman is like an American tradition. Uh, the disciplines you know required go back to the early scribes. Um, who used to work on the ancient manuscripts. And so um, pretty cool that those time-tested techniques still inform the way that I work today. And how, ma how many styles did you learn in those four or five years that you've been at IMPET as a student? Like how many styles oh, did you learn and how many, or was there a limit or minimum that you have to learn? Uh, there was, there was like a, there was a minimum that you had to learn. So you had to know like, uh, Engrosser's text, 
and most of this came directly from uh, the um, uh, Zenarian Manual, which they, you know, that was like really, they looked to that as sort of like the Bible of American calligraphy. And so, um, you know, in that it contains Engrosser's script, uh, Engrosser's text, which is sort of like a, an Americanized version of black letter is probably the simplest way to put that. Um, and uh, it also had, you know, Spencerian script, um, business penmanship. Uh, it has Old English. Um, so, so there were several different forms. I'm not sure exactly how many that, I mean, thinking back, how many that I actually knew at that time. Um, but uh, it, was, it was a good collection. And, and the bigger thing was to be, you know, it was is to really be proficient at at those forms. It wasn't so much the breadth, but the depth that you knew the forms, and uh, and also the you know the the history behind them. You know, like in Spencerian, to know that it was it was inspired by nature, and that even determines where the weight of the shade goes on the letter, because you know on the uh, on the right side um, of the curve, um, it's you know, it's on the bottom, so it pulls the letter, you know, it feels like it's going to pull that oval down this way, and then when it's on the upper left-hand side of the oval, like a capital A, you know, um, the shade is up high, so it's going to make it topple over. So all of those, you know, you have to have a deep understanding of not only what the form looked like, but why, you know, and, um, and so that was, that was critical to the, to the whole process. And at, at this point of life, how many styles do you know or you feel comfortable with? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. That's because uh, the other ones that aren't in the in the um, in the Zenarian manual that I really gravitated towards were like Fracture. Um, I don't do it much. I don't get I don't get asked to do it much, but I love doing Fracture. I loved how it's like. It's not so regimented as, uh, you know, Old English. It's, uh, it has a little bit more free form to it. It's a little bit more gestural. Um, uh, so I love uh, Fracture is another one that I really like. Um, and then it, one that I've just been gravitating towards a lot more is Old German, um, which is, to me, has, it's a little bit more sleek and fluid. Um, than, than like old English, you know, it has, I just like a little bit more curvature and the, and the drama between the, um, the shades to the, the fine hairlines. Cause even with broad edge, it is, it's all about contrast the same way with script, but, uh, but old, old German has been, uh, sort of the, the new love that I've gone after. Um, so that, uh, Roman text, uh, both with a brush and what is infinitely more challenging is is doing it in stone and uh oh. so i've done so i've done uh that quite a bit and i really love it i wish i had um i wish i had more time for that but you know to think about you know the way that they did it in ancient times and it's just these tiny hits of the hammer and just a simple flat chisel that you're making that that bevel and the serifs and all of that um, is really rewarding. So, um, cause I have, you know, I'm also being that I'm a sculptor to see, 
to see letters take on a three-dimensional form for me is is really really exciting so um but yeah i don't know i'd have to I'd have to kind of add them all up and, and see, because then you have, you know, there's different forms that sort of tie together. Like in the Spencerian family, you know, you have you have Spencerian script, you have business penmanship, which is sort of a slimmed down version of that. You have ornamental penmanship, which is a more expressive version of that. It's Spencerian at its core, but it's almost like, you know, it's it's the most like crazy ways of of creating these ovals around the letters so that they ripple but there's still very strict rules that govern the beauty of that script that the lines should run in parallel that they either fall horizontal to the baseline or on the slant angle and and that's critical because uh, otherwise it would just compete with the legibility of your script and you know the the primary purpose of every like um, well, I can't say every letter form, but the primary purpose of, um, of by and large, most letter forms is its legibility. It's to convey something. And so, uh, so in order to do all of this beautiful showy penmanship, you know, it has to follow those rules. So, um, so that's, that's a different version. There's also, you know, there's fun novelty scripts that I like to do. And, and I don't know, like needle stitch script, which is where you're just, you're kind of, you're dotting the line, you're playing with the, the nib and breaking up like even a lowercase letter, you know, three times. And it looks like it's like somebody has gone in and actually stitched it huh. into the page. It takes it takes an enormous amount of uh, of pen control and pen manipulation, but uh, it's a really it's one of those fun forms. I don't know how practical it is. I use it on like envelopes to friends and stuff, and make and usually end with like a flourish connected to a needle, so it looks like it's sewn and stuff. But uh, so yeah, I, I have no idea. I'd have to. It'd be fun to kind of count them up and see all the different ones that that I know. Uh, do you have a favorite one which you love the most and are doing the most of the time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my my bread and butter and uh, the one that I, I get requested the most, the one that I get, you know, the best reaction from and, and the one that really entices me the most is probably, uh, um, it's, well, I would say it's in grosser script at its core, but... Um, but actually doing more flourishing uh, off of it. And, uh, and even in that script, because the body of the script is, is in grocers, it's, it's a shaded script versus Spencerian, which is unshaded. The, the flourishes between that and in grocer script or copper plate look very different. And, uh, and so they, and they have the different dynamics. If you try and put... If you try and put Spencerian shades on engrosser script, it doesn't quite work as well, and so um, so that's that's something where it's like it it definitely has more of a English roundhand kind of influence. And uh, one of the master penmen that I I look to, and it was he was one of the ones that I did my very first studies of of script was W. E. Dennis, and uh, and it, so he his is probably one that like from the get-go that I, I saw his and it had the most amount of life, the most amount of movement. And, uh, I just, I thought it was so dynamic and he does that. He does the, 
you know, it's it's engrossers at its core, but he does these flourishes and he, he envelops the letter in these um, these beautiful strokes that uh, just draw you in. So um, so that's that's really my that's my go to. Um, you know, the other thing the other thing that that is related to that, and that's probably the newest thing that I've gotten into is actually doing uh, engraving. Um, hand engraving with uh, um, you're using just a tiny chisel because copper plate I saw you have a bottle on your Instagram like a bottle of whiskey or I don't know you did, you did something like this uh, no that's I mean I do I do fragrance engraving which is engraving on glass that's using a high speed engraver um, this is totally different this is using um, this is using like a tiny metal chisel and you're working under a microscope okay. and you're cutting the letters. And so, oh. so copper plate was, was called copper plate because before the invention of the steel pen nib, that's where it really came. And it was formulated out of the individual cuts into the metal. Huh. And, when you, and when you cut the metal just right, it's the most spectacular, smooth, beautiful form of script, but like secured into metal. And so they used to do that in into like print plates they would cut away the metal they put the ink in and then run the roller over and so it would pick up the ink that were just in the cuts and uh and so that's you know i've been doing that mainly for my wife's like she started a jewelry business that has yes incorporated i was that. just yeah. thinking about this because you did some like uh, nips uh, necklaces or something like this yes yes exactly yeah so um so that's that's been like a, a whole new demand. And, and what it is for me is like, I mean, people are like, Jake, you're all over the map. You're going, you're doing engraving and wood carving and bronze stuff. And, but, uh, so we've had some people that are like, what in the world? Like why engraving? But for me, it makes total sense because it was the forefather to engrosser scripts. And so for me, it's like it's going all the way back. It's like, you know, it's going back to the stone carving, the Roman forms to, to really learn the Roman text style. So, um, so that, that's been really, it's been a fun new challenge uh, for me because you're working on a, you know, some of these letters have a one millimeter X height and you're what? cutting them into gold. So, uh, so it's like, it's taking taking the movement, all of my knowledge about the letter form and, you know, applying it to, uh, to carving it three-dimensional, um, into metal. So, yeah. This is mind-blowing, dude. Like, I, I was, I'm just like, what? Like, so <laughs> this, this means that each one of those, uh, jewelry gold nips, they're like, each one is unique and it's not like, an... oh yeah, absolutely. Every single one is done by hand. Um, I do them by hand under a microscope. So, um, yeah. But yeah. what? What? How? 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 How do? You, <laughs> like, how do you even uh, learn something like this? Like, uh, you know, I watched. Uh, there's some great. I mean, we we live in the information age, and I think that's the beautiful thing right now is like you can, um, you can learn almost anything. And so engraving, which was like a really old art form and there there are engravers that are doing uh head and shoulders above what what i'm capable of doing um, but that has seen uh, a renaissance all its own but i've watched videos by uh sam alfano 
Um, and so that's where I learned a lot of the, the traditions of how, of how it's cut and, and how you move, uh, how you move the vice. Cause this vice that you have holds the metal piece and then it turns. And so you navigate all with your left hand while you're cutting with your right. And so it's, it, it's a totally mind blowing thing. And I, I, I know I really need to do a, a video. Uh, I've done a couple like close ups. But um, I need to do a video so people understand what I'm actually doing. No, it's, uh, I have an idea because I've seen like on YouTube some people do engraving. They get like a watch or something else and they do crazy work. But like exactly. Yeah. But that's one thing, thing. And and one thing is what you do, like taking a piece like this engraving and on a microscope. This is for me. It's <laughs> like what? Like uh, that's yeah. some some next level stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's we're sort of discovering the next level that all of our forefathers did before us. I mean, to think like what they were doing, you know, in, in these old engravings, like, um, uh, you know, the book, the uni universal penman, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm coming down from the cold. No um, so, uh, the universal penman is, uh, you know, all of those images that we have from George Bickham were, uh, were engraved into copper plate. And so, you know, we're not actually looking at, at, at that point, we're not actually looking at pen work, we're looking at engraving work. And so for me, it was like, you know, it's not necessary. I still don't know. I'm looking for an opportunity to really incorporate it in, incorporate it into my actual artwork. But uh, doing the, the small jewelry pieces is like a good training ground, essentially, so. No, I, I love it and I think it's very also original and creative because I've seen like people do calligraphy and then turn it into a necklace. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's a written word. But when I saw your nips, this was like super original for me and I was like super like, wow, that, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's really cool because first it's like in, it's in our niche, it's calligraphy and it's something that nobody else have done. Like I, I never seen before this uh, nip being a part of a necklace. This is like super awesome and... <laughs> it, it looks also stunning so i oh, love it thanks man it's it's been a it's been a fun new thing for me so i've enjoyed it yeah i guess all people who have seen it also enjoy it oh thanks uh, can you give me like your top three uh, favorite nibs uh top three favorite nibs uh i would say of uh of the modern nibs i would say the uh the gelat 303 the um the leonard principle ef and um the one that i recommend and i've used it a lot for for drawing i don't use it for my calligraphy so much is the uh um the zebra the zebra g so and then for broad edge work i primarily work with like all mitchell so just the various size of uh of the mitchells so yeah i see okay can we talk about a little bit about uh, your pen holders because you do plenty of different pen holders and uh i yeah, have i have absolutely. some favorites but like there is one which uh i love the most of your of the ones i've seen from you it's the o pen holder like the wood the, o the wood o yeah uh, there. I don't think I've done a wood O. Yeah. Wait, I'll show it. 
Like maybe I, I don't pronounce it correctly. Oh, the O O W L O O W L. Oh, the owl. The, the owl. owl. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, yes. my English, dude. Oh no worries, no worries. Yeah, that one that one was a special one. I sold that to uh, to a collector a while ago. Um, I do. Uh, I have a, actually a couple sitting right here on the desk. I'll pull more out. This is uh, this is one that's out of deer antler, and this is a. Uh, an old man um, with his beard and so I've used that one on a lot of pieces so uh, incorporating sculpture and it's a little bit it's ergonomic you can see like the uh, the different places for for the fingers to fall on the pen so that's really good this is my um, this is my workhorse uh, this is my signature ergonomic oblique and uh, this one is in snakewood and um, this one I it's it took years and years to formulate this to get the the proper um, grip, but this this one is just my old standby. So um, it's uh, it's like very every single facet. It sort of looks like a modern sculpture, but um, your thumb goes here, your uh, index or your middle finger goes there, and then your uh, your index finger goes on top and so this this is like the traditional way that the pen was held um, a lot of people try and hold it off to the side like this and then collectively bring pressure down on the pen between their thumb and their forefinger but with this with your finger on top of the pen it's just it's wrist movement and so that gives you more control to just put that little bit of pressure and um, and so it's uh, this one is this is what I've used on the majority of my pieces. It is it is a great one. Um, if you stay there, I'll I'll grab a couple more. Just awesome, a second, awesome, uh, sure. From my drawer. Okay, that's cool. Okay. So I'll just uh, I'll show you. It. And just a couple more. This was like this is one of my earliest ones, and this is African blackwood, and uh, and that's just carved with an open spiral. Um, this piece is or this pen has seen me through a lot of different pieces. Um, this is more of like a very traditional uh, style pen, um, and it's layered with all different kinds of wood. the uh, The white stripes in this are actually piano key ivory um, that were um, somebody just gave me like some old, they used to have veneers on old pianos, which is where, you know, tickling the ivories, that's where that came from. But, uh, um, so it's like one old instrument turned into another. Um, so that one's really cool. And then this is, this is another one that shows, uh, sort of the carving and that's, uh, uh, it's a fun one. So it's a, oh, it's yeah. like a, a gloved hand, uh, that's holding a long uh, sword, you know, because the pen is mightier than the sword. So uh, I always wanted to do a pen that has that theme. And this was like actually some of my first, it's hard to see, but um, this is some of my first engraving was uh, engraving the, the guard there on the top. So anyways, yeah, those are, um, those are fun ones. I wish I had my hummingbird pen. Uh, that's been one of my more recent designs, but uh Pen making for me has been, it started early on in the journey because I, I saw the pens that were out there and um, at the time it was, nobody was making pens, you know? It was because calligraphy was still, you know, borderline dead at the time. Yeah. And uh, 
And now there's like so many people making unbelievable pens all around the world. It's really, really cool. Um, but, uh, but I was like, I want to learn how to make my own pen. I want it to work better for me. And so that became very quickly, it became like a, um, like a business. In fact, the first conference I went to, I had a, I had a pen and I had carved a small dove on top and, uh, and I met John DeColibus, who was like, you know, he's the first guy to inspire me in the art form. And, um, it was the first time meeting him. I was like nervous as could be. And so I showed him my pens and he bought, uh, my first, the first pen I ever sold was two, to the man who inspired me in calligraphy. Nice. So that was like so special, really, really cool. So, uh, um, so now it's like, it's, it's neat to see that I've, I've sent pens all around the world now and, um, still make them, uh, myself and, uh, and yeah, they've gone all, all over from India, China, um, England. I mean, just anywhere and everywhere that you can imagine. So that's, that's a huge compliment to me and really cool to know that, uh, you know, it's like even across all that distance, it feels like I'm kind of shaking hand with another penman and um, giving them a leg up in their career. So no, uh, but uh, really like cool. you have some of the most unique designs, like like the one with the owl is, 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 yeah. is correctly owl. Yeah. Yep. Owl. <laughs> okay. You got it. Like, man, I, I, I'm I'm since the day I saw this, like when you posted, I was in love with this pen. It's like. I don't know, it's just a piece of art and it's like so beautiful and everything is so detailed. Like, how, how long did you usually it takes you to make a pen and how long did it take you to make this specific one? Uh, to, uh, I mean, they range anywhere from like a super simple pen I can usually do in like maybe an hour or so, hour or less if it's like a super simple one, but for... For something like that, I think that one took like uh, it took like two days of carving because I was doing, uh, you know, I was doing the. For those who haven't seen it, it was like it was this owl perched in this hole of the tree, and so the, it looked like the tree, you know, where you had this swell, um, you know, the owl was like perched in inside of it, and so I carved all of this like old cracked and weathered wood with the bark falling off and. Um, and so the entire pen, you know, every, you know, square millimeter of that pen was, was hand carved. Here and, it uh, is. Super detail. There it is. I there don't know. Is. Can you see it? Yeah. Like, is it showing? Yep. And so, and that's black and white ebony. So the dark parts that actually looked like bark falling off, that was the natural grain of the wood. So I didn't color that at all. Okay. It's, it's this beautiful, it has this stark very light wood and then this stark very black wood and so i just um that kind of shows up in these like spots and streaks so i just carved around those um to raise them up and make them look like bark and then everything else just looked like uh kind of that naked wood of the tree so uh it was a really fun piece and you know it's always you know, it's sad to see those pieces go, even even when you sell them to, like that went to a very, you know, dear collector, uh, but it's still hard, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, you bring your, your kid up into the world, I always talk about my art pieces, they're like kids, you pour yourself into them, you bring them up right, but someday they got to leave the house, go get a job somewhere else, you know, and so you got to send them off into the world, so that's, that's what that's like. 
So those kinds of pens are just like you're being inspired and you make them. They are not like being requested or anything like this. Uh, no, by and large, it's just, it's like I see a piece of wood or and get the idea for it or, you know, just uh, um, I'm inspired by something, you know, inspired by something else that I see. Like I did a violin pen. Yeah, I saw um, it. That's based on the, the ergonomic shape because I was like, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, looking at the pen from this angle and, uh, and I was like, wow, that looks sort of like the body of a violin. And it's like, I should actually play that out. So I've done two of those and, uh, and I don't have either of those. I've, I've sold both of those, which is sad. So, uh, where are you um, selling your pens? Like where can people be checking them and get some if they're interested? Uh, right now they're just through jakeweidman.com through my website and, um, you know, I wish I had them up there all the time, but I, since I just, since I'm still making them myself, I, I, I kind of get to them when I can in between other art pieces and projects. So I try to do like several all at once, you know, do a, do a small batch of like, you know, five to five to eight at a time and, um, get them up there. So, um, so yeah, I wish, I wish I had the, uh, I mean, I need to look into actually getting my designs created um, at some point, but uh, right now they're all all done by hand, so they all take a lot of time. Awesome, but they're done by hand. It makes them more unique and more special, I guess. Yeah, right, right. And uh, you mentioned earlier, and this is also something that uh, David Grimes told me, so I'm really interested. You've been a bodybuilder. Like, was this a big passion of yours, and how does it... <laughs> How does it? <laughs> oh, we're getting into this. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just uh, interested because you know, like you've been studying uh, psychology, and then you're becoming yeah. a super successful penman. And like when David mentioned, I was like, "Wait, what? He's been also a bodybuilder." Like, I'm just interested. How... Wait, da David is a bodybuilder, or he told he told you that I'm a bodybuilder. He told me that you've been doing it at one one point. Oh yeah. Uh, wow. That's funny. I need to go back and listen to what he said. Uh, I, I got into, uh, natural bodybuilding in college. I grew up as, as like, uh, a fat kid and I was made fun of when I was really young. And, <clears throat> and so I didn't like that. And I wasn't very good at sports. Like I tried going out for football and I was terrible at it. Uh, but I really loved, you know, working out, lifting weights and, uh, and so I, uh, I got into all natural bodybuilding. I don't do any, any steroids. I stay away from the juice, everyone. Uh, and so I did my, I, I've done one competition so far at, uh, in, but it was like years ago. I am actually, you know, somebody's trying to talk me into doing a competition here soon. It won't be bodybuilding. It'll be physique, which is, you know, it's not the big mass monsters, but uh, um, it's it's more like the beautiful, beautiful physique. And and that's what I loved about it. It was like it's sort of, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in his old videos. He talked about how it was it was like it was like being a sculptor of, of your own body. But instead of, you know, taking, you know, taking marble away, you're you're adding on muscle and uh and so for me like bodybuilding has been a great uh it's been a great balance 
because it's like I work all the time on these super detailed pieces and you know everything's super careful and gentle and everything but you know I go to when I go to the gym I kind of get to work out all that frustration get better you know blood flow and it's I mean it's helped I think you know to any to any calligrapher I think it's important to do some kind of physical fitness because you know you are your greatest tool and you want to take care of it your body is really important so um, but yeah so I, I I do do it now but it's it's mainly just to look good for the misses and uh, <laughs> you know and uh, and now I have I have two kids so I'm trying to avoid having the typical dad body um, and uh, you know I want I want my kids to, to grow up with a healthy dad so that's that's the primary purpose no, I'll, but I'll that... let you know I'll let you know if I actually follow through and get this competition done but uh, no, that's. Um, I think it's super cool and interesting. But I was more asking because you know, like I also from time to time I like to work out and it feels great. But I'm wondering, does it not mess up with your calligraphy? Because for example, if you've been training more for some time in the gym, and for example, you have, <laughs> you know, if you have some muscle pain in your hand, does this not influence your <laughs> calligraphy? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting thing. I have been I've been asked that before. Like Jake, with the you know, when your when your arms are that big, is it hard to like move them around? And and it's like no, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten that big. Um, maybe it would if I looked like somebody like uh, you know Phil Heath or Ronnie Coleman, you know. Yeah. But uh, the old the the big you know bodybuilders. But uh, but no, it's been a good it's been a good balance uh, for me and. And I know like on a like arm day, like if I do, if I do a really heavy, like upper body day, you know, I'm pretty toast. I can't come down and try and do uh, calligraphy, but, um, you know, right then, but, you know, after you recover and like when you're in good physical shape, cause even like your posture, like a lot of people tend to slouch and, you know, and lean on their arms. But when you're, when you're like, uh, when you're doing it, you actually want to keep your your shoulders upright and lean in from the hips and keep your back suspended. So having a good strong back, a good solid core, that actually helps immensely when you're doing calligraphy because you want your arm to be gliding, you know, a, across the surface of the table and your paper. And so in order for for you to do that you have to have a good solid frame that your arms can essentially be suspended from and move fluidly so you know no i mean that's where bodybuilding is really uh has really helped that way and especially like i mean for some of the more physical demanding things like like carving uh carving wood or um marble you know that's where you know it, it really helps to be in in good shape so Awesome. I guess it's good to know, you know. Yeah. So keep working out, man. Yeah, yeah of course. Like, uh, I, I think it's great to work out because also it gives some kind of uh, discipline, you know. Like, not all people yeah. have such discipline and especially me, when I work out, it, it, it I can feel that the discipline goes into other fields as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, to talk a little bit about practice, like how important is practice to you like uh, how much time were you spending in the beginning when you were studying how much practice were you doing and how much practice do you do now uh you know practice is uh um it's not 
the big thing that I stress anytime somebody asks me about practice is not, it's not just about how much. It's not about the hours that you put in, um, but it's about the kind of hours that you put in. And, you know, a lot of, um, there's a lot of popular talk about <clears throat> Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule that you reach mastery after 10,000 hours. Well, you know, there's, there is some more like research that has proven that it's, that you have to actually, it's, it's more about being very intentional with that practice to step back, to see where you're at and, and find the, um, identify the, the ways that you need to improve and then improve upon those. It's not just about going about it willy nilly. Um, because I, you know, I tell, I tell people, you know, practice, uh, doesn't necessarily make perfect, but it does make permanent. So if you're practicing the same motions, um, and they're not the correct ones, like if you're trying to study a, a form and this happens to all of us, myself included, where it's like when you're working, what comes off the pen looks really beautiful and you can fall in love with your own work very quickly. And this is something that I, I, I very strongly warn people against. What you want to do is like, as, as beautiful as that may look, compare it against what you're trying to achieve. And this is what the old masters recommended. They said, study as much as you practice because it's in that constant looking back um, to what you're trying to achieve that you'll actually get there. But if you lose sight of your if you lose sight of your goal, you're going to end up somewhere else entirely. And so that's where I, I really tell people like when you when you study like or when you practice, have something in front of you that you know you're really studying from. So uh, so that's what it is for me. And a lot of like my early pieces um, or a lot of my early practice were actually put into solid pieces because I I would up the ante on on myself. Because it's easy to go through page after page of, of practice, but it's like when it's supposed to be a finished piece in the end, when you're supposed to say like, I want to be able to hang this up or put this in a book for people to see my work, you're gonna be more intentional. And so it calls you to that higher level of focus, that greater level of intentionality. You know, you still warm up before you always start those pieces. I mean, even still, like before I ever start on a on a finished piece, I'll spend some time warming up, getting that muscle memory back and dialed in before I actually translate to to the finished piece. But very, I encourage people very quickly try and actually execute something that you intend to show, you intend to keep, because it it brings you, um, it gives you a higher level to strive towards when you know that there's more on the line. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Do you remember when you were more like a beginner, what was your biggest struggle you had with calligraphy and how did you overcome it? Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, I would say a couple things. At the very beginning, uh, when it came to script, I thought script was, you know, I thought it was all about the shades. I thought the drama of the piece was all about the shades. Um, and uh, and so I was I was shading everything. Well, you do that, then it it doesn't really look good or or dynamic. And so um, so I think like paying attention to the contrast and really like if you talk to if you talk to the more learned penmen, it's 
it's not so much about the shades, it's much more about the hairlines. That's the much harder thing to accomplish because to get a perfectly smooth hairline where there's no shake, there's no fold, and it's perfectly fluid, that's the harder thing to accomplish. But the, the, the real crescendo of, of the glory of the script lies in the contrast, that the, the boldness of the shade contrasted with all of the beautiful hairlines. And so that was like the first thing that was really hard for me to understand and, and to latch on to that. Um, but I think that that's critical. Um, let's see, the other, you know, the other thing was, was the way that I held my pen and the way that I worked with my pen. Cause you know, when I started off, I, you know, I was like this and I was using finger movement pretty much entirely. Cause that's how I had done most of my handwriting up to that point. And, uh, and so I was like, I didn't know how to get those really large curves because, you know, you have a much more limited range with finger movement. But when I changed my grip and then started using more whole arm movement and muscular movement, movement from the wrist, uh, I got worse at the beginning because I was learning something a totally different way. But then it like it took off and I was able to I was able to do far more using uh using the whole arm movement than I was ever able to do just using the finger movement. So, uh, so that was one of the, those were one of the earlier struggles that I had. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you're preparing a online class or is it like, uh, I don't know what exactly is it? I think it's, uh, uh yes, yes, I am. I mean, I, I'm just getting into it there. I mean, there's so many, so many people out there doing awesome online courses um, and, uh, and so, and I've gotten many, many requests for that. So, um, I, I, I'm finally kind of, I'm finally biting the bullet and, and doing my own online class. And it's actually, it's really encouraging to see how many people are out there. We've, you know, done an early poll to see what people would like to learn. And, um, uh, so what we're starting out with is, uh, is, a um, sort of beginners flourishing class and it tells the basics of how you take you know the calligraphic line and create all of the beautiful images of flourishing and so um so we're we're starting in on that just because it's uh it's a great opportunity i'm, I'm not able to travel as much as i'd like to to be able to do workshops so this really gives people an opportunity to uh uh to learn from me and uh and you know that's it's a difficult thing because you know, I still feel like so much of a student myself. Um, and, and so it's hard to feel like, well, you know, should I really be teaching this broadly? And I want to make sure I'm teaching all the right things. But, uh, you know, even Michelangelo at the end of his life, I think he was 88 when he said, you know, I'm still learning. And uh, so, it, you know, I, I guess that'll never change then if, if Michelangelo can say that at the end of his life. Well, we all are still learning and all the time are learning. But yeah, like, I mean, first you're accomplished in so many things. People love you, love your work. And of course, they'll be willing to teach from you. I think it's awesome that you're doing it. I just want to know when approximately will be the class done and where people will be able to get it. Uh, yeah, it'll be... Um, through our website, we'll have a we'll have something there at jakeweidman.com, and uh, you can just 
go on and, and sign up for the class. We're still trying to figure out uh, the exact platform that we're going to do it on, um, but it'll be integrated into the site. So if they go there, they'll know about it. I would say uh, if they want to, you know, I would encourage you if, if you want to be aware of it, we're, we're going to be making the announcements, you know, through the social media channels, but you're you're more guaranteed to hear it if you go to go and sign up for our newsletter. Um, that's a better way of, of finding out about it. But uh, it'll be... Uh, it'll be a really exciting thing to do. I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, to giving that information away and then seeing what other people do with it because I think you know flourishing is such a beautiful art form. Uh, it's it was one of the things I loved most when I got into it. So uh, so yeah, it'll it'll be fun. It'll be a really cool experience. Yeah, I'm sure it will be, and uh, I'll, I'll try to get on the class, so I'm, I'm very interesting for, awesome. for yeah. launching so, it. Yeah, couple months, that's that's what we're tentatively looking at. It'll be uh, in, in just the next two months, it should be online. So, Awesome, have you ever had any thoughts on uh, making a book, or is it something about... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly... I mean, I think it would be really good to have a how-to book that goes along with the, you know, with the class. Um, there will be, you know, course handouts that'll be attached to the class at this point, uh, and hopefully in the future I'll be able to compile um, all of the flourishes that I've done over the years. Even when I do like an original like commission flourish, I always make sure that I, I scan it and tuck it away with the thought of one day it'd be great to compile it all together and show a collection in a book. So yeah, I hope to do at, at least a book on flourishing and then um, a broader book on uh, more of my Artwork. calligraphy art. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's, that's, that would be amazing. I hope to be happening sooner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll work on it. I'm, I'm trying the best I can. There's a lot to do, so. Yeah. So I know from time to time you do some TED talks. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that I watched one of them. Can you speak about a little bit about it? Because I remember you were speaking about the importance of writing, and you were explaining how Spencerian actually does something with the brain. And can you Absolutely, talk a little yeah. bit about this? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I was, uh, and that's, and I would. You know, I give that whole lecture. I, I give, if you haven't figured out by now, I give very long-winded answers. So, uh, so I'll try and keep this shorter. But I have done uh, two TED talks, and the first one is called "Why Write." And uh, man, I gave that one all the way back in uh, 2014. Yeah. And uh, and so that's it's been a while, but it's been great because it's you know calligraphy has brought me into these into two different worlds, both in the the fine art world uh, and into the educational community. And so there's a lot of people right now who are very excited about um, teaching their kids handwriting because uh, the schools here in the United States. I'm not sure how it is uh around the world but uh here in the united states they've they've taken handwriting uh or teaching cursive handwriting out of most schools in the united states and in some schools they've taken out all handwriting completely they just it's essentially like a send home packet that they give to the parents and so which is really sad because it was like historically 
the two pillars of literacy were your ability to read and to write. That's what defined you as a uh, literate person. And now they're like, they're like, ah, oh, but we don't, we don't really need the the writing aspect. And so, um, which is absolutely like uh, untrue when it comes to like what all of the findings in psychological research that shows that it's a critical part of the way that we learn and retain information. So, um, so I touch on that in that talk. Uh, I also talk about the historical um, context of calligraphy uh, and the artistic as well. So, uh, so that's a really, uh, that's been a really like well-received video um, through, through TED. Um, so you can check that one out. That one's called Why Write. And then the other one that I did uh, just this last year, um, and it's, it's really about the legacy that, that is created through art forms. You know, it's not just, um, you know, you're not only living out a legacy of all of these disciplines of, uh, of art and how art is created. Um, there's, there's a legacy on that aspect, but there's also a, a very deep, personal legacy that you can uh, you can preserve in the context of art and so that's in that video um, I speak to that point and then share more broadly some of my other uh, art forms like uh, drawing painting and sculpture and uh, and even end with the cradle that I made for my daughter which looks like a swan rocking on a on a pond so um, so yeah that'd be a good one to check out as well yeah awesome like yeah i recommend to everyone who haven't heard those to go find them and check them they're uh, really awesome to hear and uh, yeah jake is giving uh, amazing stuff uh, great tips and things about calligraphy which will make you think about different aspects and i definitely recommend checking so jake i have like uh, one two more questions and we'll okay. end up like the first is I see behind you the Jesus art piece, and this is like, uh -huh. this is something which you've done in one stroke, and uh, yeah, I one continuous line actually. Uh, oh, sorry. Go I ahead. was ever wondering like how how long time it took you, and usually, like I think <laughs> most of your prints that you do and original uh, artworks, how how long? Because I think you put a lot of time in each of those works. Uh, yeah, I mean it depends. Uh, it depends on the art piece, but uh, a lot of the pieces that I do, especially the more involved, detailed ones, uh, take a really, really long time. Um, they take uh, sometimes hundreds of hours. The calligraphy flourishes; those are nice because they go they go rather quickly. They're, you know, you get a, like a good sense of closure when you can accomplish something in you know, in a day. You know, say like four hours or something and I can have a pretty detailed flourishing but uh, but a lot of the pieces I do are are very uh, detailed let me see I've got um, actually right next to me this is another this is the one that I just did and this is a uh, still in the plastic see I haven't even got my own artwork framed but this okay. is uh, this is Martin Luther King and that's done in one continuous line so um, you can see, I can't even see the camera, but it st starts there at the center and then uh, goes out. And so using the calligraphy pen and, and the pressure of the pen, that's how you get the line variation um, in that. So, uh, so that one I just did because I'd done, I'd done the portrait of Christ uh, like 10 years ago. So the, uh, 
so I wanted to I wanted to do it again and uh, um, and I thought Martin Luther King would be a really great figure to do he's huge here in the United States um, but uh, so that was that was a really big piece so so that one took uh, probably I mean it's it is one line but it's like it probably took like a week and a half to do um, to execute the final so yeah awesome like i'm always like fascinated by people who put like such long time into the their artwork and first of all because it's dedication and second of all it's it always gives a, a good result i guess like maybe not always but from what i've seen is like dedication and such time putting in a piece it's 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 uh, admiring and it's super awesome and i really think many people will, will should think about this because like I myself started thinking this way a few months ago when I discovered a piece from my teammate that he he told me he put like a work in it and I was like, wait, why am I not doing such things? <laughs> and yeah. yeah, pieces like yours, which you say sometimes hundreds of hours, like that's that's yeah. that's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, even like the, the penmanship piece behind you, I mean, that one took... I think I worked on that one even longer, especially when you think about the layout. Um, it was it was over like uh, I think that was over a month, month and a half, because um, it's all you know it's it's so much and that that's incorporating like pen and ink, uh, pencil and charcoal, so it's like trying to balance all of those and bring them together so that they look all cohesive on the page was uh was like a real challenge but you know i am looking to always to push my patience as an artist to accomplish those much bigger pieces and i wish that i had all the time in the world but you know you sometimes you just have to get pieces out the door and that's that's hard so uh, and, okay and i'm wondering like how much do you spend on calligraphy and uh, like each day and are there any other things apart than from art that you're able to do and that you love doing? Uh, you know, the uh, it it depends on it depends on the piece that I'm doing, but uh, but by and large, like I'm using some form of calligraphy in my artwork, whether it's uh, lettering or flourishing um, or engraving. You know, that's another aspect. Uh, so I'm probably spending like, um, at least four, four to five hours a day, uh, doing something that is calligraphy related, related outside of, uh, the other, you know, many different business things that I do. Like I'm terrible at email, but you know, it's stuff that has to get done when you're a business or, um, uh, so, so I do, I do that, um, stuff outside of calligraphy that I love doing probably I wish I could be more like uh, I love to spend time in the outdoors it's pretty cold around here because it's it's winter and by the mountains so it's, it's pretty bitterly cold but uh, uh, but but that's another good way to sort of just get out enjoy nature be away from uh, be away from the studio and and be inspired so yeah awesome awesome man then, uh, like, uh, like uh, I'm super happy, like, dude, that we met, that uh, you you had time for me for the podcast. I 
I really enjoyed everything that you shared, like uh, learning about your story and uh, seeing how your mind works and what you think about different things. <laughs> it's been super awesome. It's been a pleasure. So if you have something that you want to wish to the people who are listening right now, if you want to give some advice or tip or whatever, if you want to promote something that's important to you or upcoming, just feel free to say whatever, man. Okay. Uh You know, I would say uh, do what you love and do what you love and be willing to suffer for it. Uh, take that time out. Like when you find that thing to just go after it and know that it's going to be hard work, but in that hard work is the greatest amount of reward. So if you're not willing to actually push yourself, it's like you'll never really get to, to the really good stuff um, that, that your passion has to offer. So um, that's what I would say. I would say just dive into this headlong um, and, and push the limits, push past the limits that you um, have always been held up by. And, uh, and on the other side of that is, is just beautiful, great rewards. So uh, get out there and write. Keep this renaissance alive. Awesome, dude. I think that's a great ending. And once again, thanks a lot for being part of the podcast. I'm sure many people will be hyped about it and will love to listen to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. It's been, uh, it's been great. So that's a, that's a long interview. I hope you're going to edit that down quite a bit. Yeah, it's... I'll edit it. I, I hope I didn't take much of your time. I just like, I don't know, I was interested to hear the things I asked you. And I believe many people will be also... We're very happy to hear them as well. Good. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Calligraphy Master Show. I hope you enjoy listening to the story of Jake and it helped or inspired you in any way. Next Sunday, I will be speaking with Tio Swan, the person who inspired me to start calligraphy and one of the main reasons for Calligraphy Masters to exist our days. Please follow Calligraphy Masters on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And expect next week our brand new website plus the release of the super awesome merch. Thank you for listening and as always keep writing.